So this morning, I'm wanting to carry on with a word that I started two weeks ago. Remember, Cus brought the word last Sunday. And I entitled it, Knowing Him and Making Him Known. And we've got the slides there. And I focused just on the first part, on knowing Him. And I trust you all just realized the hugeness of this delightful journey we're on of knowing Him. He is he is so much more in every way. And so I was quite staggered as we just unpacked the scriptures, the call to know him more. It's a lifelong journey. And so um, I, just the feedback was great. Some people messaged and, and said that it really spoke to them. And always feedback is always appreciated. But the second part of this message is making him known. And it's so interesting when I said that to Jen, um, this was, I think, before the first message. She said, yeah, but that's basically what we're about because we say we're passionate about Him and people. Okay? Him and people. We want to know Him and make Him known to people. Okay? If you want to know what that's about. So I said, absolutely, honey. Let's get it up there. So there you've got it up there. Okay? But I want to just come to the scripture. Einstein mentioned the, the scripture. Einstein was on this side. Has he moved? Where were you? Oh, did he go outside? Okay, that's fine. So this scripture, Matthew 4.19 on the next slide. And, and we, we, we put this up and Einstein spoke about this. And, and you heard about the game Zinzi and them played. I know there was one, the victorious. What is the other team's name? <laughs> the no-name team. <laughs> the bringer downs of heaven team. I like that name. Okay. So the game, they had six seconds, so they were given a word, and you had to describe the word in six seconds without using the word. So, Zinzi's word that she got, I heard the story, okay, was actually the word disciple. You know how she defined it? She said, it's those guys that Jesus said to them, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And did they get it, Zinzi? They got it. Okay, well done. Bring us down from heaven, people. Okay, team. She said, it's those guys to whom Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Now that's 100% correct. But I actually want to just highlight this point. Because this is the point I was, I, was, I was actually chatting to Jen about. If we think that that verse only applies to those guys who Jesus actually spoke it to. You know, we're in a lot of trouble right now. Because I don't know if you know that those guys have actually passed on. They're not fishing for men this side of eternity anymore. Do you realize that we... we I'm, I'm saying in a funny way, this verse is so applicable to all of this. It's mentioned, I think, in three of the Gospels. Jesus started off, the first thing he said to them is, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And the last thing he said to me is, go and make disciples of nations. He kind of expanded it from just a few men to, hey, just, just, just go fish in the whole world. And everything in between was Jesus showing them how to do this. Them getting to know Jesus and Him showing them how to make Him known. How to, how to uh, get this, do this fishing thing. And so I'm wanting to unpack it. And, I, and one of my biggest challenges with this is this. I unpacked so much the vastness of knowing Him. It is delightful and exciting and the message online if you haven't got it soundcloud podcast youtube i mean it's hard for you not to find the message okay but this was my challenge was if he's so amazingly just huge and there's so much to get him to know 
we could be daunted and overwhelmed by, oh my goodness, how am I going to help God? How am I going to communicate all of that to my friend Zinzi, who I'm trying to just, you know, let her get to know you. And I think this has been so encouraging for me because we part of a, a worldwide family of churches called Every Nation. And I actually want to just put the next slide on, on, this, on, on the screen because so, so we, uh, the, 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 the guy who heads up the network of churches and campus ministers across the world is Pastor Steve Murrell. There's a picture of him. Okay, and he wrote this book a couple of years ago, Wiki Church. And I'm coming to this because he does such a good job and has done such a good job of making something that seems so vast. What's your job? Go and tell people about God. But God's so big and huge and where do I start? He's brilliant at making things that seem too big and scary and dangerous and impossible so simple. And I love that about him. If you listen to him speaking, it's always so simple. And, um, and he wrote this book called Wiki Church. Now, you all know Wikipedia, okay? If you don't, okay, I'm not going to ask you to embarrass yourself, okay? If you don't know what Wikipedia is, okay? Wikipedia is an online encyclopedia. Now, some of you heard the story, but it really brings this point home that that verse was not just to the apostles. That verse about go and um, follow me and make fishes of men doesn't apply to apostles today only. It actually applies to everyone. But the significance of it is this. When they started Wikipedia, and this book is named because of the origins of Wikipedia. So Wikipedia started 2001, but it was preceded by an attempt to start an online encyclopedia called Newpedia, N-U-P-D-E-I. How many of you have ever searched for anything on Newpedia? Okay, how many of you did in the year 2000? None of us. The original attempt at doing an online encyclopedia was called Newpedia. It failed dismally. And the reason is the approach for these guys. So they wanted, and they, and they thought the best way to do this online encyclopedia is to get doctors and professors and academics who know so much, you know, whose heads are like this size, okay? And we're going to get them to write articles online about everything that you would want in an encyclopedia. And these professors and doctors and academics, they will check one another's work, make sure every article is 100% correct, and then they would upload it. And Bob's your auntie. You know, before long, we'll have all this amazing information at our fingertips. It didn't work. Do you know, after one year, these doctors and professors and academics had only uploaded, I think, 36 articles. Okay, one of the problems if you have a big head is that you don't like it if somebody else criticizes something that you think or say or write or anything. You think these academics could agree on anything. They only agreed to like 36 articles in a year. So as a sideshow, as a just, these poor, poor, poor people who are create, trying to create this online thing, were putting their head out with these professors fighting amongst each other. They decided, let's start a sideshow a feeder into this program where we open it up where anybody can write articles and, and submit them. And then we will actually just let, let these professors check them instead of let the professors generate them. They started on the side, Wikipedia. I, 
can't remember the exact numbers. It's in his book, and I, maybe I should have looked. Folks, the next year, when Wikipedia started, it was meant to be a feedia into Newpedia. Literally, hundreds of thousands of articles were written on everything that you can find on Wikipedia. You know, articles about ants from the Amazon to, you know, birds in Singapore. I mean, you name it. There's articles and everything. Why? They didn't leave it up to the professionals, the pros, the big heads, the I-know-it-all people. They opened it up to an oak in the Amazon who has spent his life studying this particular ant, and that's all he knows, and he knows a lot about it, more than the professor who's sitting in a university in California who's just read books about it. He's passionate about these ants, and what he writes is legit. Now, Wikipedia does have a vetting system, and often you'll read an article and they will refer to certain things in there that haven't been verified. In other words, they're conflicting views. Most of us realize that, especially on historical interpretation of history. There's a lot of different views. We understand it. But I don't know, I haven't re recently checked how many hundreds of thousands of articles are in Wikipedia. Why? It's not left to the professionals. Now, folks, that scripture of going... Uh, follow me and I'll, uh, and, and I'll make you fishers of men. That will never, never, ever be done if it's left up to the professionals. You know, kind of the dudes like me who get to call, uh, who, you know, are pastors and the apostles and prophets and bishops and ministers. The professionals will never get the job done. Praise God, Jesus never intended it that way. Amen. Remember, he sent out the 12, but then he sent out 70 as well to do the same work that the 12 did. And so this, this incredible privilege, I want to say it's a privilege, of knowing him and making him known was never the job of just us. Absolutely, I'm committed when I get to minutes from the pulpit to make him known. But I'm not going to reach your aunt who's in hospital Anna, and she's sitting somewhere far from here, and she doesn't know me from Adam, and I can't go and pray for her for whatever reason, but you can. And you can say, listen, I know that Jesus heals. Last year, I prayed for so-and-so, and you won't believe it, Auntie, Auntie Frida, the pain went just like this. I want to pray. I'm trusting. I have faith that the pain is going to leave your body as I pray for you. Huh? It's much better than, you know, getting the pro on the line and, and I can't come because I'm whatever. This is, is amazing. And so this, this whole concept, and, and you know, in, in, in Manila, Pastor Steve went there in 1986. The church is now over 100,000 members. Now, that is impressive. What's most impressive to me is they had a leaders meeting with all these small group leaders in this church. They hired the biggest venue they can find, could find in Metro Manila. It was the venue where Muhammad Ali did... I don't know if you know Muhammad Ali. He was a boxer. Probably only Walter and Andrew would know. And Cass would know. Stella, of course, Stella, you've watched boxing. Of course, Stella would watch boxing. Okay. It's just he's, he was around a long time ago. There was this thriller in Manila. It was a massive boxing fight. And... The, the thriller in Manila was in this venue that was built for this boxing fight with Muhammad Ali, and I don't even know who he fought against. They were looking for a venue just for their small group leaders um, to have a meeting, and this was at their 20th anniversary. It was a few years ago before he wrote the book. 
and the venue that the only venue they could find in Metro Manila that could seat them was this venue. It, it takes uh, an unseated undercover venue where you can have a thing. I'm not talking a football arena. And it was this venue. 3,000 small group leaders rocked up. 3,000 people who are normal believers like you and me, who are passionate about knowing him and making him known, who are following Jesus and fishing for men. 3,000 small, small group leaders. And I was like, wow, that is quite incredible. So let's, let's go on. You know, this verse, and I love breaking it down like this. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Goes, there are three components to it. Firstly, it's a call to relationship with Jesus. It's a call to know Jesus, to walk with Jesus. Following him wasn't, when Jesus said follow me, it wasn't at a, at a distance, you know, kind of just, Ooh, I hope he doesn't see me. Uh, you know, you're not, you're not like spying on Jesus when you're following him, okay? Following was as in, in those, con in those days, rabbis, he was recognized as had followers. And literally it was a call to be a student of Jesus. That's, that, that was the call. He was a recognized rabbi. Rabbis had followers. And it, it, it literally meant you, you're in his classroom. Amen? You're in his classroom. That's what the call is. But it's a call to relationship with Jesus, not to sit and listen to him lecturing to you. It's, it's a two-way conversation. It's a call to relationship with those who do not yet follow Jesus or are not following Jesus anymore. You know, this is such an important aspect. And let me just put the third point. It's also a call to relationship with those who do follow Jesus, to be hooked into spiritual family, and that's the place that we are nurtured and grow spiritually. But I want to just, this, this second point, relationship with those who do not yet follow Jesus or who are not following Jesus anymore. My heart particularly breaks for that category in the brackets. And I want to I wanna just um, say it like this. I heard a definition of, a, of what a cult is quite a few years ago. Now a cult, I, don't know if you, I mean, back then it was quite a thing. There were many cults and there was this great fear that you get caught up in a cult. You know, people visit a church and they're like, is this a cult? Are you a cult? Hey? And you're kind of trying to check out, are you a cult? And, and the reason is, I mean, back in the 80s, there were, there were just horrendous things that people were doing and happening. I'm not going to even mention it. And it was, it was in the news, this cult and that cult and etc. But I remember three characteristics that reading about what characterizes a cult. Firstly, they don't believe the whole Bible. They will always either just believe parts of it, exclude others, or actually change the words of Scripture. So if anybody doesn't do the Bible that we do, just, uh, just you know, just <coughs> boundaries, okay? The next thing is, there's always a lot of secretive stuff involved there. What they believe is secretive practices and meetings and rituals and you know, greetings and things. Folks, whenever you get into something very secretive, let me just say <laughs> boundaries, close the door, say thanks, cheers, chaps, okay? But the third one is what I want to highlight is they often encourage you to cut off relationship with other people in your lives, particularly family and friends that could have an influence and actually save you from this cult. Folks, this is 
so different to the mission Jesus and I gave, Jesus gave to you and I. We are not meant to, you're not meant to cut off relationship with your sister who doesn't know God and for many years hasn't been interested in God. That doesn't mean you cut off your relationship. You still wish a happy birthday and give her Christmas presents. It doesn't matter she doesn't come to church. You still love people who don't know Jesus. Amen. That a cult, in a cult, it's cut off, pull away. They try and pull you into some secretive meetings and things. We don't do that. Folks, everything we believe is on, the, on our website for the whole world to see. Amen. Our, our, I mean, we're not scared of what we believe. We want to proclaim what we believe. We don't do secretive stuff. We do believe in confidentiality, okay? You know, if Zinzi comes to Jen and shares stuff that's confidential, we're not going to put that on the web. Don't stress. But we don't do secretive things and believe secretive things, etc. Okay? But this thing about, about relationship with people who are, do not follow Jesus or are not following Jesus anymore is so significant. I, but I do want to put this disclaimer. There may be people in your lives, folks, I do not recommend you build relationships with people who are abusive towards you. Okay? Boundaries are needed in relationships. There are some people, it's like you do the boundary. If they cross the boundary, I'm not convinced you can walk with people who violate your boundaries. Your values, your principles, if somebody's violated you, you cannot walk with some people. So I'm not saying that. I'm not calling you and say, the pastor said I must stay in this abusive relationship. I'm not saying that, okay? I'm saying if, you're, if your friend doesn't know God and you are growing in God, you don't have to cut off relationship with them, okay? Another disclaimer I want to put over there. Many people see the word relationship there and they think, okay, the dating game is on. The pastor said I can date anybody, okay? I'm not saying that. I'm not really, I mean, the Bible speaks about do not be unequally yoked. Hey, I would be hard-pressed if you walked in here with, you know, and say, hey, pastor, yeah, meet Rodney, you know. Rodney said he'll never put his foot inside a church, but I want to marry him. I'm going, whoa, okay, let's talk about Rodney and this relationship, okay. I'd be hard-pressed to maybe, uh, you know, do the I do thing with Rodney, okay. I don't recommend being unequally yoked. This is not romantic relationships. This is your commitment to love people who don't know God, whether they love Him or not, whether they love you or not. This is sacrificial love. This is loving people with a love that God has placed inside of your heart. There are some people, it's like, I don't know how I'm able to love them, but God is supernaturally giving me the ability to just be nice to them, to be considerate, to listen to them. It's just the grace of God. Okay, so... These three relationships are just so key. But I want to go on to the next slide. Why is um, um, somebody... Who's on, Jen? Are you on? Somebody just somebody hasn't muted themselves in here, but I can't, I can't tell them to mute themselves. Yeah. So, can you hear? Somebody's kids are... I want camera, man. <laughs> I don't know who's... Somebody is... Uh, unmuted there okay we're trying to do this interactive thing so I shared with you Paul's passion two weeks ago about knowing God he said I want to know Christ I consider everything rubbish compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord we looked at those scriptures Philippians uh, 3 verse 8 and 10 but I want to share with you Paul's passion 
in making him known. And I'm reading from the Message Bible. And it was one of these verses that it's like, sure. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 19. So he's passionate about knowing Jesus. But look at his passion for making him known. He says, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone. Folks, I want to say that is a beautiful definition of freedom. Okay? I pray that every single one of us come into that freedom. You are free from the fear of man, etc. He wasn't being controlled by anybody here. But look at his, his heart. But I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Become a servant to any and all to reach a wide range of people. Folks, I want to submit to you that true freedom, there's this misnomer that true freedom is just you get to do whatever you want to do. And it's usually destructive to yourself and to others and people around you and loved ones. I'm not recommending a destructive, this is not the freedom. True freedom is to be 100% who Christ has bought you and made you to be. And secondly, to live the call of God on your life. He was, a, he was called to the Gentiles. In 100% freedom, he committed himself to, making, to knowing Christ and to making him known amongst the Gentile peoples. He did it willingly, folks. Embracing the call of God is something you do with freedom and, and delight. Amen. I trust you view your calling as, as a fruit of Christ having set you free from bondages from the past. Now you can live for something that really matters instead of wasting your life in stuff that really doesn't matter except give momentary pleasure. Amen. That's true freedom. And he says, so he says, and there's a colon there, in order to reach a wide range of people. And then he defines these people. And he says, religious and non-religious. He says, meticulous moralists. Okay, another word of describing religious. Or loose living immoralists. Okay, this is the message. I love Eugene Peterson, the words he chooses here. He wrote the message Bible, translated. Verse 22, the defeated, the demoralized whoever okay now you i am sure would be able to put all of your family and friends and loved ones in those categories okay they all fit in there amen who are we servants to and and, and look he used the word servant i've voluntarily become a servant to all these people what does this look like his passion he wants to get to know them he's becoming their servant I didn't take on their way of life. Now, this is important. He didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. This was the thing. You know, I, I remember chatting to some young person who was going clubbing, and, and, and he was there, let's just say, under the guise of the stuff. You know, I'm going to make Christ known, etc. And I challenged him on this because... I don't believe Paul the Apostle would, you know, mosey into, you know, a nightclub and then, you know, have like a six-pack of beers to just get enough courage to start now preaching for Christ. And it's only when I get to my sixth beer that I feel I'll have enough Dutch courage to now preach the gospel, you know. I, I, don't, I don't think that's what he's talking about here. But I entered their world. I love it. I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. Wow, 
try to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempt to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. Wow, his passion to get to know. And if you look at in his life, for example, when he was dealing with the Jews and the religious crowd, he, he, he could quote scripture, he quoted his, his background of being a Pharisee, a very religious person. He even got Timothy circumcised. Why? So it wouldn't be a stumbling block to the Jewish people because when he went to cities, he would first go and minister to the Jews and if they weren't interested, he would go to the Gentiles. He, he actually got Timothy, even though he said, hey, a circumcision is the, of the heart is what God wants, he, he, he did something. Why? Why did he get to Timothy circumcised? Because of his passion to reach Jews and Gentiles, religious and non-religious people. Now, what does it look like? He says, uh, oh, at this point, um, and try to experience things from their point of view. What does this look like? Jenny shared this story with me. We were chatting about it. And when Alpha, we've, we are now on week 12 of Alpha, I can't remember, and 10. Okay, 10 of Alpha. And so when we started Alpha 10 weeks ago, the first session, Jenny was online and she had an online group. And in her group are two people that are, are not following Jesus or weren't following Jesus, um, you know, at the start of this uh, of Alpha course. And so there's, you watch a video and then you have a discussion. And in the discussion, Jenny was listening to the discussion from their point of view. She was listening how these two ladies would, would, would experience the discussion. And she was listening how the Christian people in her group were sharing about things. And she was like, I am sure these ladies are not understanding what they're saying. You know, when you use language like, brother, I'm washed in the blood. You know, now, I totally get it. If you say to me, I'm washed in the blood, I get it. But you know, if I go out there and I'm watching rugby with some guys and I say, brother, praise the Lord, I'm washed in the blood. They're going to look at you with big eyes like, what are you talking about? Do you understand? So I don't know, Jenny didn't say what the language was, but Jenny used this term. She said they were talking Christianese and she was thinking how these other two ladies who, who are not following Jesus would get it. And she was like, I'm not sure they'd understand. So Jen actually chatted to those ladies, the Christian ladies, and said, ladies, in, this, in our groups, when we have the discussion, can we not use Christianese? Absolutely express your point, but just don't use Christian phrases, glory, hallelujah, praise the Lord, washed in the blood, you know, whatever those phrases are. Because these ladies don't talk like that, they won't get you. And she said it was so significant. One, a couple of weeks later, they were having a discussion. And one of the Christian ladies, I won't say who, I have seen, she's online. Um, <laughs> one of the ladies explained, answered one of the questions and explained it from her point of view. And one of the ladies who, who are not, or at the start of Alpha, weren't serving God was so impressed how well this Christian lady explained how she She said, you know what? I actually couldn't put, put it in a better way. I couldn't express it in a better way. The way that Christian lady said it is exactly how I 
have also experienced that thing. And Jeannie, inside of her, you know, on, you know, on Zoom, you're keeping cool, you're keeping calm. Oh, that's a very good point. Thank you. But inside, Jenny's going, yes, yes, she got it. She got it. She understands. Okay. Yes, we're on the same page here. What happened? She tried to experience things from their point of view. Okay. I don't know what it looks like with, to the people that you are with. You know, I, I'll tell you. Now, for me, my background, my dad loved rugby. Okay. If there was rugby on TV, it was on the screen, okay? So, I'm just telling you, I didn't grow up, know much about soccer anywhere in the world. I knew it was being played, okay? But I didn't know. But I have actually had to try and make an effort to find out about all these hundreds of different soccer teams and competitions and etc. Why? Because there are certain spaces and places that I want to connect with people and they are talking about soccer. So I actually have, you know, periodically I go online and look what's happening and look at some charts and tables to see what the points are, try and figure out this competition, that competition, because different guys are in two different competitions. Why? I'm just looking to be able to experience things from their point of view and find a connection point with them. That's what relationship with people who don't know Jesus looks like. Amen? You think you can do it? I think it's not that difficult. So I'm trying to really make this... Okay, now what I've got in the next slide, I've actually got the same verse in, in the NIV, which was my growing up verse, and I just, I just love it. Look, look at what the NIV says. Um, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone. In, in the message, he used the word servant, and it's actually a very strong word. And what he's saying is his commitment to people is just phenomenal. To win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew. To win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. Verse 22, to the weak, I became weak. To win the weak, I've become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. It's just such a beautiful verse. Let's go on. What I've got on the next slide is Jesus' example. And Jesus, remember, he calls them, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. But then he was teaching them how to make fishers of men. What does it look like, guys? Walk with me, follow me, and I'll show you. So this is the story in Matthew about Matthew. Is Matthew writing about Matthew? You see the connection here, okay? In verse 9, As Jesus left Capernaum, he came upon a tax collecting station where a traitorous Jew was busy at his work. <laughs> Matthew writing about Matthew says a traitorous Jew. Why does he use that word? Folks, now in those days, the taxes were collected by tax collectors who were Jewish people who would, they would put in a tender to say, collect the taxes in Capernaum. And the, 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 it was the Roman army that they were actually working for. And so if people didn't collect their taxes, this guy who won the tender, the Jewish guy, in this case was Matthew, he had the tender to collect taxes from Jewish people in Capernaum. If they didn't do their taxes, he got the Roman soldiers to go and go with an assegai and say, hey, what for? Where's your taxes? Okay. People hated tax collectors. They made lots of money. 
because they would charge people extra, give to Rome what was due to Rome, keep to them whatever extra they could collect. And it was, that was the normal practice. But it says traitorous Jew. These people were seen as traitors. Now, <laughs> traitor is a great word unless you've experienced it. Folks, we're a church community. Do you know if, now it wouldn't usually happen in a, well, in a church community, but let's think, let's think in a war times, war times, for example. I know during the Second World War, for example, Germany were looking for people to spy, to be spies in England and send back information about what the Allies were planning. If a person was caught who was a spy, they were branded a traitor. They were treated by their community as a total outcast. They were despised. They were rejected. So, <laughs> Traitor, there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of pain over there if you are called by a community. So these tax collectors were literally, they were despised by their own people. They were Jewish people who were despised by their own people. And firstly, Jesus is calling this kind of a person who was an outcast by their, by their society. And it says, collecting taxes for Romans. His name was Matthew. Come follow me, Jesus said. And he became one of the twelve, remember? Jesus said to him, immediately, that word immediately. How many of, of, of us, how many of you, when you sense the Lord saying something, respond immediately? I remember in one of our parenting courses, a point was made that delayed obedience is not obedience. You know, we ask a kid, will you do something? And they don't. And a few days later, they still haven't. <laughs> and you say, Oh, no, 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 I'm planning to. I'm getting there, Dad. Yeah, no, don't worry. It's on my to-do list. It's like, no, it's not. Immediately, the Bible says, Matthew, immediately. Folks, that heart of oh God, you know, whatever, when, whenever, Lord, I'm listening. Speak to me. Your servant is listening. That attitude is so beautiful. Immediately, Matthew jumped up, began to follow Jesus. I'm like, Lord, I want that attitude. Verse 10, later, Jesus went to Matthew's home to share a meal with him. Now remember, he's teaching these boys how to fish for men. He, Matthew's now following him, and later, we don't know how much later. We don't know if it was that evening, the next day. But in the text that Matthew is writing, it's basically the next thing that they did. It may have been the next night, next day, two days later, we're not sure. Later, they went to Matthew's home to share a meal with him. Many other tax collectors, tax collectors are traitors, outcasts, despised people, hated by the Jews, not trusted. That, that's the people that were there. And outcasts of society were invited to eat with Jesus and his disciples. So what happened? Let's go to the next slide. Um... When those known as the Pharisees, so this is the religious crew, saw what was happening, they were indignant. And they kept asking Jesus' disciples, why would your master dine with such low lives? Folks, this is our Jesus. Okay? We are talking about making him known. Okay? There could very well be invitations to meal. There may be work functions that you ask to that... In and of yourself, it's like, oh, no, <laughs> I don't want to do that. But the question is, would Jesus go there? 
and if we're following Jesus. Now listen, there are some work functions where you just know there's, there's very little place for your little light to shine over there. And I have faced those difficult situations. And there were some, when I was in engineering, there were some work functions that I just knew that there it would be very hard to be a light in that, in, in that situation. And I actually, I didn't go. So I'm not saying accept every invitation that comes your way. Dine with such low lives. And when Jesus overheard this, he spoke up and he said, healthy people don't need to see a doctor but the sick will go for treatment. Now this is so beautiful. You see, look how the Pharisees saw these people, low lives. Look how Jesus, he uses the metaphor of a doctor and sick people. He looks at the same people around that table and he sees they are sick, spiritually sick, sin sickness, and and their hearts, these are people who are, I mean, a whole bunch of tax collectors and outcasts. These people are hurting inside. I, I believe that the, the sickness he was seeing is sick hearts, bruised, rejected, despised, hurting people. And Jesus knows he is the healing balm of Gilead. He is the one who came to bind up the brokenhearted. He looks at them and he's saying, I have the answer. I am the answer. These people are hurting. Can you see the difference on perspective? Pharisees, low lives. Jesus, these guys are hurting. They reject it. They need me. It's just amazing. And I want to submit this to you. You know, Jesus is the great doctor, the physician. I really like the term frontline workers. Today, all healthcare workers are now known as frontline workers. And I was like, I think we can confidently say that if you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to be a frontline worker with Him. Because He is Dr. Jesus who wants to hurt the bruised and the broken and the rejected. We are His nurses and medical assistants, etc., who are helping Jesus bind up the brokenhearted. Amen? So you didn't know it, but you're officially a frontline worker, okay? Okay, you don't, you don't have to put it on your status unless you give a little definition over there maybe. Then he added, now you should go and study the meaning of the verse. I want you to show mercy, not just offer me sacrifice. For I've come to invite the outcasts of society and sinners, not those who think they're already on the right path. Folks, it's just so important. Jesus, now, Jesus was speaking to Pharisees at that, around that table. But his disciples were there as well. He's teaching them how to fish. He's saying, guys, this is the heart of somebody who follows me. You want a heart of a fisherman, who I am. I'm teaching you to fish. Study what it means to show mercy and not sacrifice. For I have come to invite the outcasts of society. And I'm just like, Jesus, I want that heart. Folks, I'm not say, I don't say I'm always there. I get irritated with people. I don't know if you, there's some people in Peter Marysburg that irritate me. And I've got to pray, Jesus, may I have your heart. Okay? I mean, it's not, it's not this side of town. You know, there's irritating people there on the other side of town. Wherever other side is. Okay? Pick your direction. Um, but Lord, may I have your heart. Okay, let's go on. Um, I'm actually going to skip the scripture 
Um, it's a similar scripture, but we'll come to it maybe another time. I want to go to this. We're called to relationship with those who don't know Jesus and those who are not following Jesus anymore. And I want to say those who are not following Jesus anymore, yeah, I just have a particular heart for people like that. It's been amazing. Jen shared when she was preaching recently. There have been two, two ladies who were following Jesus in our local church. I mean, yeah, let, I'm not going to say when. Many, many years ago, two of them different. They're, different. they're not related. And both of them have in the last month reconnected with Jen and, and we, are, we are trusting we'll start following, uh, serving and following the Lord again. But we also call to relationship with those who do follow Jesus and I want to put this word fellowship there. In the last year and a half this has been something the enemy has so destroyed. It, fellowship is a mark of believers. And it says here in Acts 2, remember, Holy Spirit's poured out. Peter gets up, preaches his two-minute sermon. 3,000 people get saved. And what is the result of this? These 3,000 people now devoted followers of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in water. All this lack of stuff's happened to them. And it says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Four things. Four things characterize these dudes, and one of them I want to highlight is fellowship. This word fellowship occurs, it's the word koinonia in Greek, and it occurs 43 times in the New Testament. And it literally means communion, relationship, connection between, and it can be used in your relationship with God. You can koinonia with God. You can, there's a scripture that says, uh, it speaks about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. You can koinonia with Holy Spirit, with Jesus, with Father God. It's, 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 it's close, intimate relationship. But one of the things, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. We've committed. We've gone through three lockdowns in the last 18 months. We've been so committed and working hard to get the Word of God. The apostles' teaching was them teaching the Word of God, teaching, uh, telling them what Jesus said, explaining uh, from the Old Testament, etc., bringing the Word of God to them. We've been committed to bring the Word, working hard on cameras and technology and streaming and uploading and all the lack of stuff. So the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, that's communion, sharing the, 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 the bread and the wine. Now we know it's difficult in this context. Literally, the government regulations have forbidden that aspect of, 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 of gathering together. We're trying to figure out how. Now that we're at level one, I'm trying to figure out what the regulations say about serving communion. Uh, we'd love to do it. We, we, we do it often. We usually try and do it once a month. But we're just not sure what the regulations on that aspect on the level one are. We're trying to figure that out. Uh, to pray, we've been working hard. Our monthly prayer, uh, weekly, sorry, weekly Thursday prayer meeting. We're on WhatsApp. We're on Zoom. We do it live, trying to keep the prayer going in our local church. But this fellowship thing, folks, I can honestly say that's been the one thing that has been really hard and I believe the enemy has robbed from us. Fellowship is something that, that historically has characterized Christians. You know the scripture says, they will know your love for one another. And, in, and, and, and they, will know, sorry, they will know that you are my disciples because of your love for one another. And that love is, is seen in the koinonia of how Christians fellowship together. 
It's been the biggest thing for us as a leadership team. It's like, Lord, how do we still do koinonia when we have some people on Zoom and some people are going to watch on YouTube this, this afternoon and some people are going to listen to the podcast this week? How do we all koinonia as a church together? We've tried to, you know, after services, get together in small groups, etc. We're trying various things. But I'm saying, folks, this is biblical, godly, good stuff. Help us. You know, we say we're not allowed to serve tea and coffee, but today, guys, we have birthday cake. I just want to highlight, we have birthday cake. Okay, so don't... The idea is not you grab your birthday cake and you run to the car and you eat your birthday cake in the car on the way home, okay? The idea is that you have your birthday cake and you koinonia with somebody else. Yeah, okay, you fellowship. That's the idea, okay? Look at this verse, John, 1 John 1 verse 7. But if you walk in the light as He's in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' Son purifies us from all sin. I've underlined the word fellowship, koinonia. You know it well. Greek word. It says if you walk in the light as He's in the light. Folks, it's so important that as believers we walk in the light with one another. In my experience, it's one of the biggest breakdowns of relationship when we are not walking in the light. When we do things behind people's back that causes them, that causes trust to be broken. There should be no, there should be total light, for example, between a husband and a wife. There should be no secrets. Okay? And when, if we cannot walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship. Fellowship breaks down when there's mistrust caused by doing things behind people's back. That's not how we as the body of Christ function. Amen? We walk in the light, and the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. Praise God. Okay, there we go. You wanted to know where the blood thing comes from? Washed in the blood, brother. Okay, there we go. There's a scripture for you. Okay. But I want to actually land with this. This whole sermon, I was aiming, racing. I left out some slides. I was racing to get this. Make him known. Now, on the next slide, I've, I've put up just four things. Because... Make he, knowing him and making him known, one of the things I don't want it to be for anybody is this is daunting. This is too much, you know. Shucks, you know. Only, you know, somebody like, I don't know, who's, who's here? Maybe Anne. Anne, I don't know, who's, uh, I'm trying to think. Walter, Anne, whose who's birthday is close? Uh, uh, is Walter? Who's, who's got more birthdays under his belt? Their belt. Is Walter? Oh, you see, I couldn't tell Walter. You look like a spring chicken, my man. <laughs> you to blame. Hey, you mustn't, you mustn't be a, um, you know, marry these young guys, Nolene. <laughs> but this is, I'm just, I'm just joking, but it's not something that you're saying, you know, only when I'm like as old as Walter will I be able to tell people about Jesus because... There's so much to know. I've got to get to know so much about Jesus before I can get this thing going. One of the things, and I, I brought this up with Steve Mullen in the beginning, Wiki Church. It's, this should not be so complex that, you know, you need to be 60 in the shade before you can start talking about Jesus. The sad thing about that is, you know, if you're 60 in the shade and you gave your heart to the Lord when you were 13, when you're 60 in the shade, you kind of forgot the joy of your salvation, often. I'm not saying it's the case with Walter or Anne, for, for that matter. But I'm saying, you know, the person who's just experienced the joy of salvation is actually the best person to share about how amazing it is to surrender your life to Jesus. The person who has just been healed 
is the best person to offer to pray for people for healing because their faith levels for healing are right up there. The person who's just experienced being set free, I mean, last week we were praying for folks who were really battling with sleep and horrible dreams. A person who's just experienced freedom and breakthrough in the area of peaceful sleep at night is the best person to testify about it rather than, you know, you know, I mean, imagine you're 60 in the shade and you're trying to remember, shucks, you know, I remember when I was younger, I, I never used to sleep that well, they prayed for me, but sheesh, I can't remember really. Yeah. I think God can do that, you know, as opposed to, you know, some kids like, guys, you won't believe how well I'm sleeping now. I want to pray for you. Who of you wants to sleep well? You know, and everybody puts up their hand and she's praying for them and it's amazing. Amen. So this stuff, this is wiki church stuff. I'm putting just four things up here. And it's foundational stuff. I, I, I love the word foundations because this is the deal about foundations. You know, before you build a building, this building, any building, you've got to dig a, dig a trench in the ground and you've got to throw some concrete down over there and it's not impressive. And then you build on top of it, you backfill, you don't even see the foundation. But this building would not be standing if it wasn't there. See, folks, this is stuff, this kind of stuff, what I'm sharing, happens so often one-on-one, -on -one, small groups. It's not impressive. A lot of what I want to share here, we can do some of it from the pulpit, kind of everybody can see, but most of this is when you get to a somebody and you hear they're not sleeping well and you find out a little bit more and you, and you pray right there. It's not impressive. It's not from the pulpit. Nobody sees it. But they experience a breakthrough and they realize God is interested in my sleep. Can you believe it? I've I've just regained a whole part of my life that is God's own. Amen. So what are they? Just four things. Firstly, faith. We want, what are the things about making Him known that we want to do? How do we want to make Him known? Faith. And I've, I've, I've actually, I just found scriptures from John. Faith. Folks, faith is absolutely foundational. We follow Jesus by faith. We give our hearts to Jesus by faith. We receive healing by faith. We trust God for, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit by faith. We trust God for spouses. We trust God for jobs by faith. Amen. The next, the next one is freedom. I spoke about freedom earlier. I gave you the definition. Freedom is, is the freedom to do what God's called you to do and to be the person God's called you to be. Are you there? If you're not, if you are struggling with fear, for example, at night, and I'm just bringing it up because we, we, we prayed into it last week. Folks, that's not freedom. It's not God's will for you to lie awake at night with the lights on because, you know, you're scared of the dark. Don't, don't laugh at that either because that means you haven't experienced that. Amen? That's not freedom. Amen? And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if the sun sets you free, you're truly free. Folks, Truth goes with freedom. You know, there are some times and, and that, that if I'm chatting to somebody and I hear them say something that's a lie. Now, what is a lie? Something that is not true about God, about His Word, about them, about etc. I will trust God for an opportunity to say, hey, you know, I, I, that, that's not true. God's not like that. He's not out to get you or whatever the person said. It's not true. If you believe that, wow, you're not going to walk in freedom. So it's faith and freedom. And the next two are this, family. 
I don't believe it's possible to truly walk in faith and experience freedom all by yourself alone. Bringing people into spiritual family is part of the foundational work in people's lives. This, what has happened in lockdown with so many people at home, online, etc. I actually want to commend, I don't know, Zena often, Zena and Trevor often come on Zoom. I don't know if they're there now. But you know, Zena, yes, she has health challenges, comorbidities, and she's been very cautious in terms of just keeping distances and, you know, not wanting to get anywhere near a COVID virus. And we totally respect that. And I think she's been very wise how she's done it. But she's also made an effort to stay connected to family. You see, Zena, she'll often come here after church and she'll be chatting to people outside. She brings her daughters with as well to connect with people. She values family. She values koinonia. She realizes the importance of that. I know she's made an effort with her daughters or friends with our kids and they, they do walks together, etc. Family is important. And there's that love each other scripture. And finally, I believe it's about fruitfulness. And I, and I think Einstein's testimony is just so significant over here. But the, the fruitfulness, the greatest fruitfulness I want to submit to you is when you commit to, for example, putting these kind of foundations in people. Now, we are, we are really wanting to build our connect groups in the next year. We're really committed to building connections. We believe in small groups is the best place it's going to happen. In our Alpha, what I loved about the Alpha course isn't just the content. I love the content. But it's the fact that after you watch a video, you're in a small group, you're discussing with people, you're praying together, there's koinonia, there's family happening over there, spiritual family happening over there, and we are actually getting in people's lives. We're getting into the foundations of people's lives. We're seeing freedom. We're challenging people and encouraging people to come to faith in Christ. Faith, freedom, family, and fruitfulness. Jesus said, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You know, I remember the first time that I really experienced fruitfulness. I was advised I'd just recommend my heart to the Lord. I was second year. I just started going to Bible school. And that was just significant, getting, getting the word in my life. And there was a friend of mine that I knew I still remember her name. And I would mention her name if you went online. You never know where these videos and things go. And she was really battling with something. And she mentioned to me, she said, Jock, you know, I can't remember what the issue was. But the significant thing is I had just read a scripture like in the last few days that just spoke into that thing. And I, I literally, you know, like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, when they, when they said of Talking to Jesus, they said, didn't, didn't the word burn within us? And literally, when she asked me that question, I felt the word quicken in my heart. And I was like, oh, I nearly wanted her to finish talking. Because I was like, no, I, I know what the Bible says about this. You know, just, okay, I hear your problem. Stop talking. I want to tell you. Okay, I was impatient. I was young. Not anymore. Hey, honey. Say amen. Okay. So... <laughs> And I remember the delight of being able to share God's word with her. It was the, my first moment, my first ministry moment in my life that I can think. It was such a delight. And it was just the two of us. 
just chatting. There was nothing. It was just she had some issue and I happened to have a God answer for her. And that fruitfulness. And I remember just the impact it made on my own soul. That, sure, God, you can use me. Wow, I just helped her. And I can't, she was really helped by whatever I said and we prayed together and it, was, it made a great impact on her life. But fruitfulness. I just stepped out and, 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 and just spoke God's word to her and it was amazing. So what does it look to make him known? Faith, freedom, family, and fruitfulness. If we can just commit to helping people with that, I believe we will make him known in such a powerful way in our city. Amen. Can we pray? Maybe can we stand as we pray? Can we stand? You know, I, I've sh I know I've shared a number of points, but... I really feel like the enemy has stolen koinonia from us. And, and Christians have kind of got a right. It's become a right for them to just be sitting in front of their screen, you know, getting their word. And we praise God for technology. And we praise God we can bring the word of God to you. And it's made a big impact on us. And during lockdown, we were glad we could. But there is more. And... I, I, it was nearly a righteous indignation in terms of the enemy stealing koinonia from us. Fellowship. And so, I want to just pray that firstly, and then I'm going to pray that we would make him known. So, so Father God, I want to thank you for the koinonia, the fellowship, the relationship that you have forged in, in our local church over many years. And Father, I just, Father, I want to pray that sevenfold prayer. Lord, where the enemy has stolen koinonia from people, Lord, that you would restore it sevenfold, Lord. Lord, we pray that you would help us to restore koinonia in our local church. Father, give us wisdom as, as just as leaders as we build and we navigate rebuilding post-lockdown, post-pandemic, what it looks like, Father. And Father, I want to thank you that we can know you. But God, we are here to make you known. I pray that we would help people in their faith. Give us grace to set people free. Give us wisdom to connect people into spiritual family. And Lord, help us to be fruitful and encourage people to be fruitful. We want to represent you well, Lord. Grace us to do so. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit our website at www.hispeoplepmb.co.za And for more of our messages, visit our YouTube and SoundCloud channels as well as other podcast platforms. If you would like to contact us, please email us at hispeoplepmb at gmail.com or send a message to 061-452-0877. We hope to see you soon. God bless you.